Well, good morning. It's been a while since I've been up here, huh? Yeah. Right. Um, I will say, though, especially with the, the two weekends, the, the 50th and last weekend, I definitely was blessed. Um, the Lord has blessed this church. Um, you are the biggest blessing, obviously, uh, for this church. And, and I know that sounds like I, I'm being sincere that I, I was just talking about this in prayer this morning. I appreciate so much that this church, I believe, is, is Christ-centered, and we're moving in that direction. And I love that. I love that about the Downers Grove Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, just a reminder for the kids, 17 and under, there is a little snack basket if you fill out the notes. Um, I think Jaden is going to be guarding it. Because I've seen some uh, sneaky hands um, that have been trying to, to grab some. Actually, uh, Pete over here, he works at the conference. He wanted to tithe. He wanted us to tithe some of it, 10% go to, to him. That's why Jaden had to take it. I do want to also thank, is Alex Leonor here? Is he, he was in here. <coughs> You guys need to thank him, kiddos, because he has been the, the latest installment of the candy basket. So, so if you get a chance, thank him. He has been the, the most recent. As you know, we are almost at the end of Moses. We are just there. And I am going to take a detour next week because I... Uh, because I was reminded that it is creation Sabbath, so we are going to do something creation-oriented. But it's just this one and one more sermon, and we are done with Moses. Hopefully not in our lives, but from the pulpit, at least for a while. Can you uh, go to the next slide? Do you notice, can anybody tell me what this represents? America. You are right, Tom, it's America. American politics. You know, I guess as you get older, you start to notice stuff nationally more than I did as a kid or when I was in college or, or even in graduate school. But I do also think that this is all that is on the news. If I could make a penny, a penny for how many times the name Donald Trump was mentioned on our major network news stations, I'd probably be making more than the winner of this Mega Millions thing uh, that is actually at $1.6 billion that I think Rod bought 10 tickets for. Politics is everywhere. And ironically, with our parties that we have, and I'm sure it's different, in, it's not that much different in other countries, but with the parties we have, they are all claiming that they have a more righteous opinion than the other. The way that I view immigration is better than that view. 
The way that I view our history and the statues we have up and, and the way I view race and the way I view our refugees, whatever it is, our way is better. And we are more American in our values than the other party. Would you agree? Yes. But you know what I've also noticed? is It seems to me, and you can correct me later, please later, if I am wrong, if you believe I'm wrong, but the way we have politics set up now, I'm not talking about the original, the origin of it, but the way we have it set up now is it has one purpose, to separate. Politics has one purpose, is to separate. I am separating myself from you. We want to divide up the way people believe things. Politics are, have one purpose, to separate. Luckily, politics never comes into the church. Yeah, well, my first church, you know, I was definitely, I had no training. My undergrad is biology. I never did a, an internship at a church. My first church that they put me in, bless their souls, but they put me in a church that the year before had been split. And the reason, well, that I was given that it had split was that there were, does any of you, have you ever heard of the group Shepherd's Rod? There was a group that were part of the visitation in the congregation. And they would say things like, well, your church just doesn't, it's not holy enough. Actually, right before I got there, according to some of the testimony of my members, there was a lady who had been attending for years. And one of the group members told this lady, because she had a red dress, how could you wear a red dress in church? You should never wear that dress. And guess what? They never saw her again. Politics works to separate. If your purpose is to separate, separate relationships, you'll fit in well with politicians. But you know what? Here's, here's the irony with, with separation and politics is I actually think we have a romance with it. We actually have a romance with revolt and rebellion. We are a rebellious people. When you say, when you hear the stories of the Boston Tea Party, is that, how does it, does it inspire you? Or are you like, man, we were bad for doing that? It inspires, right? Forget you guys. We throw that tea into that harbor. We have a rebellious spirit. I mean, you think about it. The Civil War. When we are protesting things, the Protestant movement, we have a spirit that, hey, something is wrong. With the leadership, with the trend it's, that things are going, you know, 
We like that. We like to fight against stuff. Let me ask you, are you suspicious of leaders? Come on, be honest. I, I, go ahead. Are you suspicious of leaders? Yes. How about your government leaders? Are you suspicious? How about your conference leaders? No, not suspicious. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad that it has to happen, and, and probably there are reasons why some people have been suspicious. But I will say it's also sad when people feel the need to also talk bad about leaders. Um, because sometimes I wonder if we're on the, ba- on the wrong end of that. Let's go to Numbers chapter 16. Because this is maybe the epitome, at least in Moses' life, this was the epitome of rebellion and revolt. And this guy who was the leader was so well known that Jude, the book of Jude, mentions, mentions him. Mentions Cain, Balaam, and Korah. So number 16, verses 1 and 2 says this. Now I'll read it from my Bible. It says, Korah, son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and An, son of Peleth, became insolent. So they became rebellious, insolent, and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Now, Moses, I don't know if he was naive or not, but I do have a feeling he, was, he felt blindsided here. Do you notice how they came to him? It says they came to him as a what? As a group. Now, the way that they should have done this, if Korah had a problem with Moses, how should it have happened? One-on-one. But we know that that's not how it usually happens. If I have a problem with Esteban, and there's a certain way he's leading, I, I will talk to you know Rod and Jen. Hey, you know what do you think? I mean, I yeah, I I don't like the way he plays. You know, especially in the court of G. You know, I just don't like it. You know, and then and then they're like, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't really like it either. And and um, Elsie, what do you think? And then, and then I start doing this, and then maybe they start, well, you know what, they're right. Hey, you know, I heard the pastor said that he doesn't really like the way that Esteban plays, especially in the court of G, and, and, and he starts doing it. And, the, and she starts doing it. And then other people start doing it. And then when I know that I have enough confederates, you know what, we need to talk to Esteban. And then we go to Esteban. And we're ready for a, a lynching. We're ready to destroy 
his ministry without even talking to him first and understand what, what this is maybe i'm way off maybe this process doesn't happen in your lives whether secular or in the church or whatever but if you know what i'm talking about it has happened and that's where they're at now what's sad is how many people had how many of the leaders had joined with this group of four guys 250 people they were appointed to the council some believe that the person that appointed them was actually Moses. Do you remember earlier Jethro says, this is too much for you. You are up early in the morning till late at night. You need leaders to help you with this work. Choose them. And so Moses chose some. And to repay him for choosing them, they stab him, I guess, in the front now. Right there. There you go. Moses, we're with these guys. So, some of the story we don't have. But some speculate that the reason that this all came about is where are they right now? Where are they? Where are the people? In the desert. Where did they think they would be? The promised land. That's what Moses promised. Moses, you promised us there. Are we there? No. And you just told us that we're going to die here. I was, you know, you told us that at least if we're over 20, we're going to die out here. Well, guess what? I'm taking it in my hands, and I think we don't have to die out here. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's being proactive. That's what we... If you're an employer, don't you want to hire proactive people? Yes. We look for proactive people. Somebody with some initiative. All right, Cora, you got initiative. So who is Cora? Let's, let's, let's just, I, I just want you to know who Cora is because that's important to the story. Cora is Egyptian born, by the way. I mean, he's old enough. They haven't been in the desert that long. Now, the word Cora literally means bald or baldness or it can mean snow covered or frost i mean it's believed that anyways there might be a correlation between the two um he is the great grandson of levi okay he is a cousin to moses and aaron first cousins he was said to believe he was believed to be wealthy, clever, and astute. Even if you read Patriarchs and Prophets, it, it agrees with it. That's how, what he was like. He probably performed Mishkan, which is the sanctuary service, but he was not a priest. But he was believed to be very charismatic. He was a good leader. He was one that people, they liked being around. Now, Adding to this was the law of primogenitor. Now, if you know what that means, is that basically, who is the one who gets the birthright? The firstborn. And there was a tier system of oldest, you respect the oldest, 
and it goes all the way down. And you would give positions of rank to the oldest. Well, if you know the brothers, and I'm not going to read this, but if you know the brothers, Kohath had three sons. One was Amram, who was the father of who? Moses and Aaron. And Miriam. And then there was Izhar, which we just read was the father of who? Korah. And then Uziel is the, is the youngest of the sons. I am going to read this real quick. It's in Numbers chapter 3, in verse 29. It says this. The Kohathites clans, so all of the Kohathites, the grandfather part, were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle. The leader of the families of the Kohathites, so of all of them, clans was Elizaphan, the son of Uziel, the youngest born child, his son became the leader of all. So here's this charismatic, very clever, loved leader, Korah. He said, okay, I wasn't chosen to be part of the priesthood. And I wasn't even chosen to be the leader of the Kohathites. But my younger cousin was. I don't think that's right. We're not following the rules. You know people like that? We're not following the rules. And it eats them up. I think that's what, do you remember Joseph? That happened to Joseph when he, remember uh, he was having his dad bless his kids and he, like they'd get mixed up. I mean, this happens. You're not following the rules. And he tried switching his dad's hands and he's like, no, 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 no. This is the way it goes. Primogenitor. Let's continue. Starting with verse 4. When Moses heard this, he fell face down. Then he said to Korah and all his followers, In the morning the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him. The man he, choo- he chooses, he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take censers, and tomorrow put fire in, the, in incense in them before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy you Levites have gone too far. So that was just a response because he said, Moses, you have gone too far. And he says, no, 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 wait. You have gone too far. He says, we, have, we, have some, we can test this out. Moses also said to Korah, now listen, you Levites. Isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near, to, near himself to do the work at the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister to them. He has brought you and your fellow Levites near himself, but now you are trying to get the priesthood too. It is against the Lord that you and your followers, all your followers, have banded together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? In the text, it gives you a clue. What he's saying to Korah is, you have become ambitious. You say that you have a good purpose. I'm for the people. Have you seen that on TV? Some of the ads, some of the politicians. I'm for the people. 
It's not, I want to be a public servant for them. And I'm sure that's what Cora was saying. I'm for the people. They're all holy. Not just you. I want to divvy it up. I want everybody to feel a part of this family. He says, why are you being ambitious? I know your heart. All you want is more. And you even want the priesthood. By the way, whose family was the priesthood? Well, it was Levi, but who did he say would be the priest's family line that's at this time? Aaron, right? Korah is mostly fighting, not with Moses, Aaron. He's, he doesn't really care that much about Moses. He says, I want Aaron's position. I want to be where Aaron is. And it says that there. He says, you want the priesthood too. Now, going back to the suspicious part, do you understand why the people would be suspicious? I'm just saying from the outside. If you go to the next slide, could Moses have been accused of nepotism? Does everybody know what the word nepotism means, right? It means that in my group, if it's hiring or whatever, that I favor who? My relatives, my family. Could Moses have possibly been accused of nepotism? Yeah, he could have been accused of it. Well, uh, we're going to choose another leader, the, the leader of the Levites, the priests. Um, yeah, you, Aaron. Does that make sense? Possibly. How about the next one? Could he also have been accused of being not transparent? Who's the one who gets to go up in the mountain and talk to God? Moses. You know what God said to me? Could you imagine that? If, 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 you know, if this is the case. Miss Williams, this is what God said to me about you. How you should live your life. Do you understand at least his perspective? I'm not saying we have to agree with it because we know it ends up bad. But do you understand at least where he's saying, the Lord has said to me and nobody else, this is the way you should live. Does that really sound transparent? Come on, you can answer me. Does it sound transparent? No, I understand at least Korah's argument and what he is saying. But you see that Korah doesn't really want Moses. He's just using that argument. Next one is Korah wants Aaron. He wants Aaron's position. Now, there were two other guys that we know in the story and what were their names before we go to the next slide? Dathan and Abiram, right? They want Moses. Because if you read the text, whose family are they from? They're not Levites. They are from who? Reuben. I heard it. Somebody said Reuben. They are Reubenites. And Reuben is what son in order of Jacob? The firstborn primogenitor. We should be the leaders. We don't care about the priesthood. 
We want Moses' position. He does not belong there. He should just be part of the, the priesthood. He should be doing what Kor is doing. He's a Levite. We believe that we should be the leaders. Have you, I am not looking for hands. Have you ever thought that you could do something better than somebody else in a certain position? My dad, I would, it made me laugh. And my, my brother and I still laugh about this. My dad, when we were growing up, he really liked to watch the NBA. I mean, he's from the Philippines. You know, they don't play many sports, you know, probably marbles and, you know. <laughs> but they have basketball teams. And he came over and he loved the NBA. And his favorite player was, was Dr. J. So he remembers watching... You know, Larry Bird, this is when he, his heyday of watching was, was Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Dr. J, maybe even a little bit before when Bill Walton was there. And by the way, I saw Bill Walton in the airport, the Oakland airport a couple weeks ago. It was really crazy. And he waved at me when I took a picture of him. Um, I didn't want to walk up to him because I'd probably just walk through his legs. So, uh, so anyways, funny thing, when, when, if you remember, Dr. J used to play for the Philadelphia 76ers. And when Philadelphia would struggle against Boston or against L.A., but especially Boston, he really didn't like Boston because those guys were cheaters. <laughs> Got Boston fans out here. So what he, what he would say is, you know what? I think I could coach better than that coach. He actually would say often, he didn't just say it once, that he felt he could coach. He said, if, if I were the coach, I would do this. And we wouldn't say anything to him, but, but really, Dad? Have you ever played basketball? I mean, we've seen you play. Do you know anything about the profession? You know, what would you do? And he'd, and he'd say, like, well, they need to just pass the ball to this guy or this guy. And, you know, he had no clue about team sports like basketball, but he actually thought he could coach better than the coaches. And you know what? I actually think probably some people in here feel the same about your precious Bears. You know, when they were 3-13, and 13, you're like, I could coach that team. I would at least do this. And I sort of doubt that would happen. They actually, if we were coaching it, they might actually be able to make negative wins. You know, it's not just losses. You are, yeah, you, you are negative. Negative three wins. I'm giving you negative three wins. It's the first time ever. But we think we can do better. That's how we are. And Dathan and Abiram feel this way. Cora feels this way. And actually what they say to him, if, you, if we read this, and, and we're going to read from verse, uh, verses 12 to 22, it says this. Then Moses summons those two guys, Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But guess what? They aren't coming. They said, we won't even give you that time of day. We will not come. Isn't it enough that you have brought, that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey 
to kill us in the desert. And now you also want a Lord over us? Moreover, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out, our eye, out the eyes of these men? No, we won't come. We don't respect you at all. Then Moses became very angry, and you understand why he became very angry. At least with Korah, he'd come before him. But they said, nope, you're not worth our time. Uh, and said to the Lord, do not accept their offering. Can you imagine? I mean, he, it doesn't say, please. he just says, God, don't accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them. By the way, do you understand why he said this? They just accused him. You took us out of a land from milk and honey, and you have not replaced it with milk and honey. You have stolen from us. You have robbed us. And he says, I have not robbed them at all. Moses said to Korah, you and all your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow. You and they and Aaron, because that's what you want is Aaron's position. Each man is to take a censer and to put incense in it, 250 censers in all. By the way, that implies that the 250 leaders are probably Levites because they're priesthood people. Uh, and present it before the Lord. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. So each man took his censer, put fire and incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Korah had gathered all of his followers in opposition to them, at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses, separate yourselves from the assembly so I can put an end to them. So he says, oh, they want separation, they want separation eh? We'll make separation. But Moses, Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, O God, God of the spirits of all mankind, will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? Here is where you see the separation of characters. There was a separation. One group of people is so ambitious that they are willing to tear down a man in his ministry. They will go to any length to tear him down. But the one who is being torn down, when God says, I will just destroy this whole assembly that is trying to tear you down, he says, please don't do this. Isn't that mind-blowing? Because most of us want revenge when something bad happens. But the Spirit of the Lord is, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The problem is, with me, I don't always follow these examples. I don't always feel like if somebody is doing something really hurtful to me, Lord, please bless their lives. That's just not the way I'm inclined to be. 
I think it's hard. Let's continue in this story because he continues to save them. And he says, then the Lord said to Moses, okay, uh, say to the assembly, move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Just move away from them then. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram and the elders. Remember, they wouldn't come to him, so he goes to them. And the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly, hey, everybody, move away. Move away from Rod. No, I'm just joking. Move away from Dathan and Byram. I just put his name in there, but it, dyslexic. Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of all of their sins. So just separate from them. They wanted separation. They're going to get it. So they moved away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram had come out and were standing with their wives, children and little ones at the entrances of their tents. Sort of saying, okay, we believe in what we believe. Then Moses, oh wait, we'll get to that part. So they have basically said, we will stand by what we have accused you of. Now if you go to the next slide, do you see parallels with a bigger revolt that happened in our universe's history? Do you at least understand maybe where Lucifer was coming from? Hey, why is it only those three that get to meet? Why does it seem like they hide stuff from us? Why can't I know the same as God? You guys are with me, right? You understand this, right? I mean, to me it seems like nepotism too. They're just picking their own people to be leaders of the universe. Well, I think, what do you guys think of me? You know, would, or what about you, one of us? What if we were part of that council? Do you understand maybe the logic that Satan is using? And God's just not sharing everything with us. I know he isn't. I care about you. You're my angels. I mean, I would do anything for you guys. And guess what? I probably wouldn't do what he's doing. Do you understand where the revolt on a larger scale came from? I sometimes wonder if God gave us these stories to give us insight of what happened, what God had to deal with, with the people that revolted against him. Okay, let's continue. Then Moses said, this is, how, this is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things and that it was not my idea. If these things, if these men die a natural death and experience only what happens to men, then the Lord has not sent me. By the way, that's sort of a funny thing. Because he says, you're going to know if they live natural lives, which could happen 50 years from now. That's how you'll know. But if the Lord brings about something totally new and the earth, for example, might open up, you know, if the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. As soon as he stopped speaking, as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their possessions. They went down alive they went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them, and they perished, and they were gone from the community 
At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled, shouting, the earth is going to swallow us too. I can imagine that was probably a horrific sight and where the people were afraid. As you know, the rest of this story, also the 250 leaders were destroyed at this, at this point. Also, there was a plague that went through the land. And I do believe that probably the root of the, of the problem is that they had a problem remembering. They did not remember. You, you imagine you, he being Egypt-born saw all of the ten plagues. When Egypt was at their heels and Moses raises his staff, he actually saw the waters part and walks across. He sees bread actually float down from heaven. Or maybe in the morning, he at least collects it. He has seen the provision of the Lord through his servant, yet still says, you are not the leader of the Lord, from the Lord. I don't know if you know this, but... Now, it's not from their original Latin, but the root words of remember and dismember are from the same. Now, remember means to recollect, recollect, to bring things back to one picture so that you remember, oh, wow, yeah, wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't Bill over there in the, when that happened on the, in the 50th anniversary? He was over here. and Yeah, I am recollecting facts about what had happened to make a picture. The opposite is to tear things apart, which is a word for dismember, if you know what dismember means. To tear apart. If you do not remember you end up dismembering. If you do not remember what God has done for you, because you cannot dismember God, you end up dismembering others. Now, there is a story of grace. This is, to me, was the coolest thing that I never, ever noticed reading this story. Uh, I want one slide back. If you read the story at the very beginning, verse 1, to me this is cool. It says, Korah, son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, so Korah, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, the son of Eliab, and On, son, or if you want to say On, of Peleth, became insolent. But in the destruction... One of those four guys is missing. Which is who? On. He's not there. Doesn't that... Does, is the light bulb on? Bing! He was part of it. He was part of the revolt. He is not there. 
We don't know exactly why, but Jewish tradition teaches, heavily teaches about this. They believe that his wife talked sense into him. That he came home, you know, sort of just ranting and raving. Yeah, this Moses guy, he is really, yeah, if you ask Korah and Dathan and Byram, this guy is out of control. And he thinks that the Lord is speaking to him. Oh, I am. He needs to go. And his wife said, are you sure? Because I think he was the one who led us through the sea. I think he's the one who, remember we were slaves and they were beating us and killing us? Yeah, that was Moses. Yeah, but no, no, no. We need to remember what God did through this guy. And when this came to head, he had a decision to make. You either separate to be with Korah or you separate from Korah. And depending on the story you read about about him and his wife, somehow they separated from Korah. And so Jewish tradition teaches that Proverbs 14 Verse 1 is actually dedicated to Korah's wife. And it says this, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands the foolish one tears hers down, which refers to Korah and Dathan and Abiram. Wives, I'm speaking to you women out there. You need to talk some of us out of our craziness. You know what I'm saying, right? Because we have crazy ideas, and sometimes we talk stuff about people, and we do stuff that is not healthy. We need wise wives to talk us off the ledges. That's why I'm thankful for Susie, because we know where wisdom comes from. I am thankful for my wife. She has talked me out of many a thing. She couldn't talk me off of that that sled that I broke my arm. But she has talked me out of lots of stuff too. But this is not just about wives, spouses. If you are a spouse, you have the power of influence. We all are foolish at times. You need to be the one at times. You need to be the adult in the family. And if God is calling you to that and you say, that's just not quite right, you need to remember, Moses, yeah, I would rethink that on. I would rethink that. God is asking that of our spouses. But I do believe that even bigger than this with the story of on, it's the story of grace. Because he was part of the original revolt. He was mentioned. It's not, he's not one of the 250. He is one of the main leaders of this revolt. He is the furious one. He is the one who is instigating the revolt. Yet God does not destroy him because God has one purpose, and that's to save who he can. So my final message, what, I, what this story tells me is this story does not have to happen in your families 
or in your churches or in your workplaces? First, if you follow Matthew 18. Matthew 18 says, if I have issue with you, I don't go and tell everybody else. I talk to you first. And I know that fights against us. We don't like to do that. We like to gain allies first. But the biblical thing is, if I love you, I will go to you first. And we'll hash this out. And then, if it still hasn't, then I bring some people that I know are godly with me. And we talk and hash this out. The opposite of that is I go tell everybody else. But then secondly, the bigger story I feel is this story of a guy that isn't mentioned throughout history on the son of Pelet is a story of grace. So what have you done in your past? Maybe not bad stuff, maybe so. What have you done? Is it too late? What's the answer? Is it too late? It is not too late. God has one purpose. He loves you, and he wants to extend grace. I don't care if you, like, uh, oh, what's his name that spoke last week? I don't care if you're on your eighth marriage. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you're on your eighth marriage because you've cheated on the seven previous. I don't care. It is not too late. God loves you. Romans 5 says, while we were still enemies, he gave us the spirit of reconciliation. God loves you. This story is about grace. And that's what he extends to you.